Hello and welcome to the last day of Monster Girl March. I'm Nick here with Quinn. We're not calling it that. I don't Monster want- <laughs> Waifu series manga. I, I do not want anyone assuming this is a gimmick, that this is a regular thing we'll be doing. No, please, absolutely not. I'm calling it this entire month uh, has actually been about Monster Girls, even though we have barely made any mention of them throughout this entire month, except when we alluded to the fact that we were reading this series as a recommendation. Uh, Guys, it's March 29th of 2023. Uh, It is uh, our last episode before I have a birthday. And for my birthday, I decided we were going to talk about at least in the top five most perverted series that we have ever covered for this show. Uh, it's a challenge to say if it's the most perverted. Probably not. We've read a lot of hero stuff. But like yes. in terms of sheer volume, it's up there. Because this is um, this is basically pornography. Not pornography, yeah. it's, but it's, it's, it's very close. <laughs> I'm 100% there with you. Uh, the series that we are talking about today is called uh, Monster Musume, uh, which uh, is, is there's a longer Japanese style that basically means like everyday life with monster girls. And oh. it is it, it, it has a kind of deceptively heartwarming and innocent title. Uh, not to say that this isn't, you know, a kind of slice of life series, despite the fact that most of the characters in it are monster girls or as they are officially titled within the story liminals which which essentially means that they're like humanoid monstrous beings uh like uh i guess you could say that they're almost like monster animal hybrids ish uh that describes a fair number of them but you know just think of like a lot of typical kind of like fantasy monsters and now they're a sexy girl uh so you know, uh, there's there's a there's a there's a there's a Lamia, as in a uh, woman with the body of a snake. Uh, there is a harpy. There is a centaur. Those are like our main three girls. Uh, and then over time, like a, a mermaid gets added, a slime girl gets added, uh, an arach—I think it's an arachnus, something like that—a woman spider with the body woman, of a spider. Yeah. Yes. And then several more beyond that uh, all uh, get introduced within this story. And uh, they are all, or at least most of them, are living with a very plain, uh, normal guy named Kimihito. I did not think he had an actual name. I thought his name was just Honey or Master. (laughs) Understandable. All the girls have a a pet name for him. Uh, Darling, uh, Boss uh master uh, uh <laughs> you know um all, all, all of them have their own little pet name for him uh they express some form of affection because all the girls are crazy for for, for this guy it's a harem series what are you gonna do uh and expressly it is expressly stated fairly early on that uh they can't do anything naughty no, no naughty oh, stuff. Nick, what a, no a crazy, naughty thing. What a crazy twist. This is like um this is like at the end of uh, Kaiju number eight where he turns into the monster. You're like, whoa! My oh perception my, my perception of this series has been turned upside down. Like what does this mean? 
Lots of sexy monster girls, but he can't touch any of they them. They can't oh, have sex. What are they what? going to do? Uh, and of course, series <laughs> is you know running into sexy shenanigans because this is, I guess, technically an etchy series. And I say uh-huh. technically because there is, by the very strict definition of it, very strict. No full frontal nudity. Uh, despite the fact that the series goes out of its way to establish that even though many of these pe- these girls are monster girls, they do have vaginas. Like, yes. there are several creatures which commonly in the interpretations we see will maybe be like half woman, half like a mermaid, half woman, half fish. And usually the fish part starts right like about the navel. So you can like ignore the idea that it would have like a genital area. This series lets you know specifically, no, here goes down a little bit further. They do have fish puss. So just know, yes. that, know that. They, they're one of the early world building details that we <laughs> are presented world with. Building? Is that uh, Lamias have a special type of panty to wear for their snake vagina. Uh, and a lot of it, like, look, I'm, I'm not like even casting judgment on this. I am just stating facts here. A lot of this series existence is to be porn that does not technically qualify as explicit material and therefore can be sold without putting a vacuum seal around the book. Uh, there is no, you so absolutely much... would have to put a vacuum seal around this book. There's, there's no Quinn, way in the world. Quinn, I swear to God, I have seen Years years ago, before we were even planning on reading this, I saw volumes of Monster Musume in a Barnes and Noble that were just sitting on a shelf with rules, all the other manga. Rules had to have changed. My dress up darling gets put in plastic. <laughs> like there's no way this series is, is is escaping that at this point. Uh, there is even if you ignore all of the very very fetishy stuff that happens the amount of orgasms that are had for innocent activities like helping a girl uh, like helping a snake girl shed her skin or helping a sheep girl uh, get her wool shaved uh and they're all orgasming from it even if you ignore all that there are so many titties in this <laughs> manga. There, there are quite a lot uh that is i presume why you're here uh, let's, uh, let's cut through a little bit of this veneer, Nick. Uh, I'm asexual. You basically, like, handed, like, a car to a dog and said, review this. <laughs> like, what are they possibly <laughs> going to do with this? Let's be on front street here. I have accepted that this series was never going to truly charm me in the way that it is intended to. Uh, but I did go through a good portion of the series trying to give it, uh, the old college try of, like... How do I appreciate this? The answer is not very much. This series really has one explicit purpose in mind, and it is quite explicit. Uh, And if you're not there for that, I don't think there's a ton for you to get. Um, But I imagine there is. I mean, the series has been running for fucking ever. uh, And a lot of 10 years. Yeah, a lot of people at our server love it. So clearly there is a gigantic audience for people who are like, I love monster waifus and I would love to meet and rank them all. As both of us did do on our discord uh, by providing a tier list. 
Uh, yes. That's, that's not complete. Uh, even by the part I got, I was like, there's characters I think that are missing from this. But, you know, uh, we did put those thoughts in there. So I, I think that's that right. is our, our duty. I feel as if we, even if we didn't read every single last chapter of this series, the fact that we made tier lists of the waifus in it means that we basically 100 percented this uh, this this task. Yeah. So you're welcome, everyone. Uh, um, I do actually have some semblance of thoughts to offer okay. on the series in terms of what it claims to have as a plot, because. As as we put it, uh, yes, uh, the the girls and Kimihito aren't aren't supposed to do anything with each other. It has to do with uh, essentially like immigration laws because all of the monster girls, the liminals, uh, are basically newly introduced to human society. They have been living in secret in uh, lands that are outside of like a human civilization and uh, have revealed themselves in just like a few years, I guess, recently. And are now trying to kind of like get introduced into human society, overcome uh, prejudices that people have uh, and get along with with humans and stuff. And as a result of that, things are very sensitive. And so anything that can be conceived of as uh, anything but like the most innocent contact would be construed as like a crime, uh, like uh, a, a, an international incident. Uh-huh. Uh, however, one of the girls, for the sake of international peace, can marry Kimihito. And then, then everything will be fine. But only they! Only one of them. Only, so Only one. Is it going to be Bachelorette number one, two, three, four? I guess there's supposedly five main girls that are really like presented as the most likely uh, that he could end up with. Um... And, uh, you know, we start off with, like, Mia, who is a Lamia in the first chapter. We're kind of quickly introduced to, to the the main trio very, very quickly. So we've got a Lamia and a Harpy and a Centaur all living under one roof. Whoa, which... that sounds like a recipe for an interesting series, Nick. All these, <laughs> mon- so. all these monsters <laughs> in one place. What kind of hijinks do they get into? Um. And admittedly, like occasionally, I feel like the series does show some semblance of being well thought out, Uh Uh, as in, hey, here are these three very different types of, you know, species. They're all having to live together. And also two of them are huge because one's a centaur and one is a, a, a giant snake lady who is essentially like the size of like seven people, if you count her entire tail. So there's all this, there are these challenges that, that come up in terms of like, okay, well, the entire apartment's got to be freaking remodeled in order to make room for these people. And also the fact that they aren't just like human. Uh, there's a mermaid who gets introduced uh, shortly afterward, who is a wheelchair user because, you know, she can't get around on land because she's a freaking mermaid. And when that kind of stuff comes up, it does, I, I will give credit that, there is at least some thought being put into, you know, uh, the challenges that kind of have to have to be overcome. And there is a bit of a message there of like, hey, you know, there is all different sorts of people and all different walks of life. And some people need different uh, surroundings and accommodations to get by. It doesn't make them any less of a person, however. And it would be nice if we could all just get along and, and live together in peace and harmony. Wouldn't that be nice? Anyway, here are their boobs. Uh, do you like their boobs? I like their <laughs> boobs. Do you like their boobs? 
Um, I mean, so my interpretation of this series is that there is there is like an ultimate uh, narrative, quote unquote. Uh, however, it does seem to be that the narrative exists to very thinly kind of tie, you know, the the main show, which is all these different girls and the girls themselves. As you mentioned, there's a lot of uh, diversity in them. Uh, but a large part of the diversity is mostly in what kind of kinks they kind of represent. Uh, so Pretty you have much. a character who will be like, oh, this is the BDSM character always tying people up. And this character is all about being milked. And if you're into milking fetishes, you get real excited when this character shows up. Uh, and everyone kind of has their lane. Uh, some are... Um, how do I put this delicately? More revolting than others. <laughs> so like, there's more some... more extreme. Yeah. It's, it's... <laughs> there's some of you just like, this is fine. This is fine. And then you get to some chapters where you're like, I've wandered onto someone's deviant art page, and I think it is fine and wonderful that you have this. <laughs> I don't want to be here right now. Please stop showing me this. And that happened. Really, three times in this series for me uh, was like I read a chapter. And I was like, I want to go home now. I'm reading it in my home, but I was like, I would like to go <laughs> home now, please. Uh, yeah, I, I fully understand that. You you shared uh, a video recently that kind of summed up all of the weird fetishes that were in Totally Spies, <laughs> and yet it was a show that was marketed for children. It, it feels kind of like that, except mm. not nearly as clever about hiding how, how many fetishes are inside of it, and much more explicit in terms of like, no, no, this wasn't just a thing that just like happened to also happen in the show about about spies doing goofy, you know, spy missions and stuff. The, the entire series is just this stuff. Yeah. And that is the main point of marketing. Which, but it's not technically porn. Yeah. Because it's... <laughs> and, and, and to be very clear, I am not saying this as a condemnation of the series. Like, you are allowed to enjoy these things. You are not crazy or weird for enjoying them. Uh, but just as you should have the freedom to express that you enjoy these things, I would like to note a couple of them were like, all right, I I I want to stop. I want to go now. I don't know what I need to do <laughs> to make this stop. I guess I just drop my tablet so I physically can't read anymore. Uh, and then I went and did something else. And uh, you know, we could both enjoy these things in different ways. Yes, not to say that I enjoyed. I don't know any of the fetishes on display. Look, uh, I I guess that we take that for a while. We did kind of say like, look, if you really just want to to read a sexy series just read like porn and i totally understand why this thing exists because it fulfills fetishes in a way that a lot of vanilla porn doesn't anyway i was gonna say so i totally get it if you want to read like uh not pornography i guess edgy is the term used but if you would like to read that something that is like sexually stimulated something like that i would much prefer if you read this over something like Eden Zero, which is like trying to have like a real plot going on, but constantly also is shoving fetish into it. Like, nah, just be a fetish series. You know, I have a thousand percent more like affection for you at that point. I'm just like, all right, I know my lane and I'm going to stick to it over here. But you guys have fun over there. That's where that's where uh, crazy stuff happens. Uh, what was the uh, thing? So, yeah, uh, I will also give the series credit in terms of even if you don't remember the girls' names. And, and I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, 
because they are, you know, different species and they are identified with different fetishes, it kind of makes them much more memorable in that regard. Because you can always go like, oh, right. Well, the spider girl ties people up. She's the BDSM mom mommy one, you know. Uh, there, there's the there's the mermaid one. Oh, well, she's obsessed with the little mermaid where the girl turns into sea foam because she can't be with her love. So she's the cock queen one. Uh, <laughs> which, by the way, well, no, I'll get back to it. So because of that, it's like it it it's very I don't know if the term is marketable or not, but it is at least like, OK, you've got very strongly established archetypes for these different love interests. They're so they're readily identifiable because they look very differently from each other. And each of them has different things that they present to someone who can enjoy this series. Uh, they've got very archetypical personalities and are very easily identifiable. Mm -hmm. That said, so many of them are very annoying. <laughs> uh, I, we, we, as we mentioned, we both did tier lists and I have only one character that I consider good and then three more beyond that that I'm like, I don't actively hate when they're involved in the story <laughs> and then everyone else is some blend of like i fucking hate this character <laughs> like just a varying degree of it yeah um I, I we both ended up liking uh sue the slime girl and i think it's the same reason for both of us which is she doesn't talk <laughs> say she doesn't talk, so she doesn't have time to like say weird shit or anything like that like when she does talk, it's like very straightforward. Hey, what's going on? And I want to do this stuff. And that's just kind of it. Or she's mimicking someone. And so if she says something annoying, it's like, well, that's just because she's mimicking the actually annoying yeah. character. So I won't blame her for that. She still gets her moments uh, in the spotlight to be uh, very horny and obnoxious. But they're so yes. rare compared to the amount of screen time she had that I was like, I don't hate you. I just hate what they do to you every so often. Right. I I very much appreciate her energy in a lot of moments where, you know, there's just stuff going on. She's like, I'm going to drink this water. And then because of it, stuff happens around her because, oh, uh, look, it's not her fault that the girls get turned on by it. So uh, and there honestly, there's a there's a nice little moment where like there, she has a conversation with Kimihito, whose name I can't believe I remember, but <laughs> But, you know, like she's talking to him and, and, and she's like, oh, so which of the girls are you going to marry? And he's like, I'm not really sure. Well, how do you decide who you want to marry? It's like, I don't know. I guess the person who I think would be the best partner, you know, who would be like really helpful to me and stuff. And and Sue's like, well, Sue helps around the house all the time cleaning stuff up. I feel like I'm the most useful. Shouldn't you marry me? And not like, <laughs> it's like. Hey, I appreciate the straightforward yeah. blunt nature of this, as opposed to, oh, don't you want to be with me? And, and, and I, or oh, I'll fight for you, master. Or oh, yes, please leave me for that girl over there because that's my thing. <laughs> Except don't, because I've caught actual feelings for you. If you're gonna be a masochist, just be a masochist. I hate the fucking mermaid. <laughs> the mermaid sucks, but I honestly forget she exists ninety percent of the time. Like she, she legitimately is. She's first and foremost introduced in a chapter where another girl joins the house, so she's not even the most important <laughs> character in the chapter she's introduced in. <laughs> um, and then I just keep forgetting she's there until like she shows up because like the one slight role she had was like oh she is narratively a character who is like explicitly going for the lead character uh in a way that the lamia has like a rival 
Like there is mm-hmm. someone trying to because centaur the centaur girl is too like nervous and clumsy and uh Pappy is basically a child and doesn't really understand things. Uh yeah. so there's like that element. And then the spider joins and is just a much better rival character. And the mermaid just disappears as far as I'm concerned. She like occasionally would show up in a chapter and be like, oh yeah. Like it's every time I'm like trying to name the people in the house and I'm like uh, uh, six there's seven in the house though i'm like the mermaid yeah right. uh and then there is yeah i i i actually like ragnara and wish that she were just in a better series because <laughs> it's like uh, what you introduced a character who's got like understandable like trauma and and like worries about herself and is self-conscious but is also kind of a responsible adult in her own way instead of just a bunch of people who can't do anything constantly making trouble for everyone around them often very selfishly like mia is the main character the lamia she is the worst person (laughs) she's so (laughs) selfish and annoying and i hate her Uh uh yeah yeah and... I, I i like the spider uh as well she's like the only top in the house and it desperately <laughs> needs somebody to just kind of have authority like you don't want to be here you'd be like she ties the people up it's like a proud point but you're also like i don't know she ties people up and they listen to her i don't know what to tell you the house needed one yeah and uh, then there is the freaking Dullahan, Lala, who was also kind of high on both of our lists, too. Uh, I don't know what what drew you to her exactly in particular, because she tops your list, I think. She does almost nothing in the series. She just she just kind of exists and is almost forgotten about so frequently. She's <laughs> never exploited. Like, I, I don't think I've... I, here's why she's the one, Nick. I don't think I've seen her titties. <laughs> I, I think... <laughs> In the entirety of the series, her titties never popped out, so I didn't have to see them, and I appreciate it. Also, she's part of what I consider to be one of the only really good chapters uh, where uh, she goes, I don't know why they're at the hospital. I forgot why, the logic and why they're there, but there's like a terminally <laughs> ill girl who's like talking to her and is like, oh, I, I'm not afraid of you. I like you. I understand, you know, about what you are, essentially. A uh, headless horseman, for people who don't know, sort of like a factor of death. Um, and she's like oh why do people have to die essentially like this girl is so young she deserves a better chance and she just sneaks off in the middle of the night steals a zombie's tooth and stabs the girl with it so she have eternal life basically and i was like this is kind of cute like it's like a good chapter of a character who had like motivation and emotion and none of it is tied to this stupid do-nothing guy and their affection for one another, really. Like, I vaguely kind of get to it, but I was like, I don't know. I just like that she seems like a fun character. And most of the time, she's just a gigantic, dark-edged Lord Dork. Like, she yeah. does all the dark stuff. She'll, like, throw out a flashlight and be like, ah, I am the haunt that bridges the life of death. And then someone's like, uh, no, you're not. She's like, all right, fine. <laughs> like, walks away. Like, <laughs> It's just a big loser, and I. I well, you've called me on this. I'm going to leave before one of you falls <laughs> vagina first into web and and slime and uh, an egg laying fetish, yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm I'm out. Yeah, I just appreciate that. Um. Yeah, I totally understand that. It's nice to know that there are char- that there are characters in this series whose lives don't purely revolve around this one guy, who. This is, I think, an indictment of the quality of this series. 
I think Kimihito is like my fourth favorite character in this. He has <laughs> zero personality, Nick. He's honestly immensely patient with everyone. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I have to respect that there is someone who has an altruistic bone in their body in this series because so many people in it are so selfish and awful. <laughs> Uh, I was desperate in so many times reading this where I was like, can't we just not follow like four of the main girls that are in this <laughs> series that we're stuck with? Because they're all so annoying in most of their ways. Cinturea is like the least annoying of the core like five girls. And even then it's like, ooh, I don't know. Well, sorry. Sue, Sue is Sue is tops uh, out of all of them. But then Cinturea is like, OK, at least she's trying, even though she's awful at everything. And she has a really weird and annoying speech pattern. Uh, and then it's like, oh, well, Smith, the god awful person who works for the government that keeps on sending all these girls to live with Kimihito has an elite group of monster girls who kick ass and fight crime. And we just get a chapter of them busting up a terrorist attack. It's like, why are we just like doing anything else? We could be <laughs> watching a freaking monster girl, butt kicking magical girl action series. And instead we've got a bunch of girls who are just so selfish and want to get with this one guy who, yes, as you put it, is not all that special. He's just really nice. And that's kind of it. <laughs> He's just like, it's that bare minimum boyfriend shit, like, where there's, like, guys who, like, get with a girl who's had, like, bad experiences in the past. So, like, now they exist in a place where it's just like, well, I didn't pee on her bed. So, actually, I made her year. <laughs> like, this, that's how low the bar is, where it's just like, I don't know, he didn't throw me out on the street. So, I guess this is the nicest man that's ever existed. <laughs> You're like, all right, standard achieved, I guess. Oh man, we'll just we'll we'll just have to wait until another monster girl gets introduced whose whose main focus is uh, being someone who has their bed peed on, and uh, then then we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, Nick, I I don't know how I could talk too much on like the side. Like I did a tier list, and like half of my tier list is like I don't know how I can't have an opinion on these characters who do nothing. There's a lot of chapters where it's like one chapter, and it's like we meet the Kitsune character, we meet the werewolf character we meet the ice ghost character and like it's fine these characters don't necessarily some of them do show up again later uh but there's not like they're not consistently enough in the series to know it so it really just comes down to the main ones and i feel like you know we've talked neither of us really liked mia the, the lamia uh i uh, you liked centuria to a certain extent the centaur girl she's okay I didn't I couldn't stand her because her entire gimmick is that her breasts are gigantic, like comically, like cosmically huge, essentially, like to gaze upon them is to risk your sanity being sundered. To give you an idea, there is an important chapter where she has to have a jousting competition with her mother. And uh, she she's not she's not striking true until she's wearing a bra that can support her giant titties. And then then it constrains the jiggling so that she can actually aim her lance. Yeah. Uh, yep. Great character. Uh, no, I hate her a lot. Uh, but there's one character I do feel like we need to discuss, and that is the Harpy Pappy, uh, who I ranked as fine, even though some people are like, but you mentioned this one chapter with her. We'll get to that. But you hated Poppy, and I, I, I 100% so understand why. I want to come <laughs> to my brief defense, and then we'll talk about the, the Egg Lane chapter. So I will say. I was excited at first 
because she had an interesting personality like she's like a dumb kid essentially and they flavor that as like she's a bird brain she is part bird she's literally stupid and doesn't remember things and i kind of just appreciated that for the humor like she she is just that on the surface it's like a plot point later on she's like oh i met this monster a long time ago and they have like a vengeance against humanity and it's like all right well we finally saved them you're gonna visit them like Probably not. I'm going to forget. <laughs> and I was like, I relate to that. She's not important enough in your life to keep in your memory. And I really, I did value that. Uh, I wish I could like the character more, but she also uh, is like the emblematic Loli character. I don't think her character is supposed to be. She's supposed to be the same age as everyone else, but she has that physique. Uh and her the game, author the author's doing it on purpose there, there is no way it's not on purpose yeah so. uh, and her gimmick beyond that is just that she'll constantly fly like crotch first into people's faces so i was like okay i don't despise this character because i i like that there are jokes you can make about how dumb she is and it's abusing to me but otherwise garbage now nick take it away why does she suck more than everybody else she's just annoying <laughs> she's just so annoying the way that she talks i hate it I, w- I i hate everything about her entire personality of just like she's just stupid and i do- I, I don't appreciate that in any form because as you put it it's just for jokes about how dumb and forgetful she is i there's nothing there for me and then so she's this dumb Innocent child, basically, who is then given a lot of shots to focus on her butt. And that's not fun for me. Uh, Like, honestly, like a lot of the sex stuff in this series, I was just kind of like willing to go. Okay, yep, here we go. Yep, it's fine. And then there's just this child whose whose crotch is being shoved in my face. And then it gave me uh, certain flashbacks to certain other really bad series that we've read. And I did not like that. Yeah. We don't, we don't like to think about it. And also it. she's stupid. So uh, I need to talk though. Cause this is one of the three chapters I talked about where I was like, I was tapping out, Nick. I was, I was in the walls of Jericho. And I was like, I need to let me out. I, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> let me go home. Um, there's a chapter where Pappy has to lay an egg and it is truly revolting not just in terms of like the premise of again a character who looks like she's supposed to be kind of a young uh like a young teenager or something like that who is giving uh birth to an egg but it is framed so grotesquely (laughs) i was like good lord this you're really going in on this i'm not comfortable please go home (laughs) and like the entire plot of the chapter is like, ooh, like there's like an exploitive film group who's like they're gonna they're trying to aim like, oh no, we're filming this natural birth, but then they're like, hey, we're gonna sell this on like the dark web, and you're like, I, I don't like that I'm seeing what you're seeing. Please, please let me go home. Um, so I. Yeah. I didn't that feel- chapter would have been that chapter would have been disturbing without visuals. Yes. And there were many. Uh, I did not like that one. And then like three chapters later, we get the dryad chapter where there's a giant rampaging tree monster. And they're like, she's so powerful because she's just existed in this area for so long. We have to like take away her strength, all some of her nutrients. We all have to suck them out of her. And it's like, oh, it's the only thing we can physically see. They're like, the titties. We have to suck the nutrients out of her titties. I was like, I know. 
Oh no, I thought that was kind of hot. <laughs> it's uh, for somebody. It's no, definitely I, it's. I'm me. sure it's. A th- I, I'm sure it was hot for somebody. Again, uh, that honestly, was... I, I just skated through that one. <laughs> Normally I did, but there was there was something where I was like, I truly feel like I typed the URL wrong, and I walked into someone's DeviantArt page that I wasn't expecting, and uh, yeah, that's how that went. Uh, but the last chapter uh that that this one isn't even as bad as the other two but i have a different kind of umbrage with it is when they go to a farm and that's where there's the sheep character but then there's also the minotaur character her her kind of quirk is being milked and i was like okay we got to get into the milky thing more than that this minotaur design sucks ass minotaurs are so fucking cool and all they did was make a big tittied lady and give her horns that's fucking horseshit give her hooves give her a little stud through the nose maybe give her a gun like that digimon (laughs) just fucking do it there's so many cool minotaur designs and this one sucks Quinn reviews Minotaur designs. No guns, zero stars. <laughs> I'm just saying there is a Minotaur Digimon and he has a gun arm. Uh, I, I, will, I will look at this. Yeah, uh, it, uh, Minotaurmon and he just has a machine gun for an arm. He fucking rules. I, I, I have to, I will have to, I, I will agree that there is a joke that has been made about like, you know, uh the way that uh like monsters are kind of marketed as sexy to women versus marketed as sexy to to guys uh and this is very emblematic of like guys are men are cowards when it comes to, to, to this uh and i'm not not to say that like oh if you enjoy the series and you know you're attracted to to women that it's just like no it's it's not great but it's just not as interesting to look at a lot of the designs of some of the characters when you're told like oh they're mon- they're monster girls like i'll 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 give a pass to like you know centaur 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 is like she's fully just a centaur uh you know poppy is like yeah she's she's a bird lady she doesn't actually have hands she's got wings uh, on her arms i will I'll, I'll take that but then it's like oh well this character's a minotaur so she's got big boobs and horns like you said uh or uh even the werewolf girl who does nothing she's just like a dog girl like yeah. she's just kind of got got but long hair and stuff and i do wish that there were you could do more so designs. much more you could do so much more with that concept i i do wish th- i think that the series would be more interesting if the characters weren't all the same type of conventionally attractive humanoid uh-huh. uh you know there's a, definitely a very co- very common feature in terms of like chest sizes and stuff and it's like yeah but you've got all these like fetishes that supposedly deal with their monstrous features so it feels like there should be more of that featured in their actual designs uh but again i think that this is a series that has kind of made its mark because it hits the very straightforward like look these are you know attractive girls that are doing sexy things that aren't 
somehow sexually explicit things because standards and practices don't quite cover the fetishes that are actually covered in this series. Uh, so it, it, it kind of gets away with it. Not to say that this is not like a series that is very obviously marketed towards mature readers. This is, a, you know, it's in a seinen manga. Uh, it is marketed towards older teens and up uh, by the English publisher, which I think is a bit much, but still. Uh, and I, I think, yeah, it all comes down to what you said at the beginning, which is this is very obviously does what it says on the tin. And if you're into that, sure, go ahead. It's, it's, a, it's pretty harmless, I would say, despite a lot of the stuff that we have taken issue with that's like, this is not for us. But that's just because it's not for us. Uh, so, okay. Yeah, uh, look, I, I, we've had fun here. You know, we've we've joked on these characters. We dunked on a couple of the chapters, but I will say, there's as I said, there's quite a few people in our Discord server who have noted their fans of this. I found out Austin's read this series not on his own pleasure, because again, I don't want to add to the <laughs> the line that I'm, <laughs> I'm telling. Like Austin's like <laughs> intensely perverted. Uh, he had a reason to. I don't want to get into it. Let's just say some bad guys were stopped. Uh, he did his service. Um, but like, I, look, people can read this and I'm not going to judge them for it. I'm not going to be like, ew, or something like that. Uh, I will simply note, like, this isn't for me. And I'm not the target audience for this. There is no version of this that would be for me. Like, I love monsters. Like, the idea of, like, appealing to me by being like, we're going to come up with cool designs based off of, like, monsters and yokai and things like that. I'm like... Yeah, that sounds awesome, but I just don't want to see their boobs pop out. Like I, I, I just want to see them fight crime or something. Um, so yeah, if this is your jam, go for it. Like I think you'll have fun. It's you should know what it is. You should know that it's an etchy series with a lot of topless characters. Uh, but if you were like, hey, I like those sorts of series, then, then go for it. But I'm sure you've also probably heard of it by this point. It's a very famous series. Okay, everyone. Let's. I think we'll move on now. Are we? We're, we're, we've had a good, honestly, much longer discussion than I thought we would have about this series. Uh -huh. We mind this, I think, as much as we can. Let's hit the recap portion, of weekly manga recap. Uh, My Hero Academia is back this week. It's been off for uh, the last few weeks, uh, and uh, now we're back with chapter number three hundred eighty-three. Meek spirits. Uh. What was happening last time? Well, uh, if the beginning of this chapter uh, will have you know anything, um, we were following this weird villain guy in a mask, I guess. Oh, no, wait. No, this has nothing to do with anything. I, we, we have to know where Gigantomachia came from. Yeah. Which I kind of just figured just was just over there. But no, we're going to get this. <laughs> it was like, hey, we got to give a flashback. Look, we got to we got to cover these things just because it's not black pages. Nick doesn't mean it's not a flashback. It is a flashback. Uh, so. Uh, Gigantomachia uh, has a dog quirk uh, that allows it to, him to hear the sound wave frequency set to all for one's voice and obey his commands. And uh, a villain guy shows up. I think we may have seen this guy at some point before, very briefly, but I don't remember anything about him. Uh, 
So, I mean, he's just kind of here to just be like exposit about, oh, I'm here to set Gigantomachia free using this device. And that's just kind of it. Uh, there's a cool moment where uh, Mount Lady tries to stop him by rushing forward and... Uh, oh, I think I actually know her name. Kodai. Kodai, I think is her name. There you go. The girl, the girl from Class 1B. Uh, and uh, she's the one who can like make stuff shrink and grow. Uh, and she throws a, a wrench at at Mount Lady and makes it really big so that she can swing a giant wrench at this guy. It's like, all right, yeah, it's like that. Um, but it's too late. Uh, the frequency goes off. Gigantomachia bursts out of where he's being uh, held down in the uh, ruins of the hospital and uh, knocks over Mount Lady again. It's this poor girl has got to stop running into this. <laughs> She's like, God damn, stop showing up where I am, weirdo. Uh, and this is very bad. Uh, Ashido is there to witness this as well. So that's that's uh, that's not so good. Uh, so Kirishima realizes, like, shit, uh, we're, we're, we're in big trouble. Uh, he runs to go and find Shinso uh, because they need him to uh, use his brainwashing quirk. And, um, holy shit, it's the weird slime villain guy from chapter one. (gasps) (laughs) Nick, what a callback. Uh, He's got uh, Shinso captive uh, is all up in his everything right now. And uh, so it's uh, no good. Um, So it looks like things are not going to go so well. uh, And... uh, Gigantomachia is wrecking shit, throwing Mount Lady around. Uh, weird mouth thing villain guy is bragging about stuff. Uh, and then uh, Ashido snaps into action. She summons this massive pool of acid around herself uh, so much that she melts the, the panels and, and splooshes between manga panels with her melting ability. Uh, and uh, she just thinks about like shit. I, I I've run into this this Gigantomachia guy multiple times, and I've never been able to do anything against him. Uh, I feel like a lot of people died because I couldn't step up to this guy before, and I can't stand this. I've got to protect the people I care about. Uh, and she flies straight into uh, the slime villain guy covering Shinso. And her acid kind of like starts to congeal together with his slime. And uh, he doesn't uh, he doesn't like that. So he runs away. Uh, And um, when uh, he runs off, uh, someone goes, wait. And he's like, "Ah, I'm not going. No, I'm not going to wait. And uh, he freezes up because Shinso brainwashed him. Ha ha. Gotcha. And that happened. Yay. Uh, Ashido uh, uh, says, "Like, look, you know, I, I, I know all about fear because I'm weak, and that makes me want to form packs and get close with people. And that goes for our side and your side too. And that's what defines us. And she's casting out so much acid that her sclera are like losing their black color, which uh, seems very bad, uh, potentially." Uh, Gigantomachia goes to 
crush Mount Lady, but uh, Shinso is freed up now. He uses his vo vocoder thing to mimic All for One's voice and brainwash him. And he's has him fight fight off the other villains. Hooray! Uh, so that is how we got here to where Gigantomachia showed up last chapter. That's how we got here. Yay. <laughs> how did it happen? A fight happened. Yeah. No, I mean, look, uh, Nick, we complained a lot. What? Three years ago at this point, two years ago when the, the hospital war arc happened where we were like, there's a chapter about Ashido and the chapter is about her trying to fight, failing, and then being saved by Kirishima. Uh, and it was uh, super obnoxious and uh, very, like, sort of uh, part of the epidemic that uh, Horikoshi didn't really like to give his female characters, like, good spotlight moments. So I can appreciate that this is a moment meant to, like, redeem that. Uh, this is about Ashido actually fighting. Uh, and she's the one who saves Kirishima, and she's overcome her her difficulties. I don't think it makes me like that moment previously, like in retrospect no. or anything like that. But I do appreciate that she gets something. Like when I saw her as the cover page, and saw the like, and and then like started going to the chapter, I was like, if she leaves this <laughs> chapter getting saved by Kirishima, <laughs> and I'm going to actively scream to nobody, but like. Uh, so I do appreciate that we got something like that. Um, and I, you know, we, we've, we did see the slime guy teased, I think back when like they were sort of prepping the war to begin, we saw him in like mm -hmm. the crowd of like heteromorphs or whatever. Um, so, you know, it's good, uh, to, to a certain extent. I don't think this like changes my mind. Like in my mind, Ashido was never like a consideration for like character MVP. Cause the moment didn't feel big enough. Like it felt like it should have gotten like. I don't know, maybe like a big two-page spread or something like that. But I still get it. It's cool. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of details that I do like about this. One is that um, I could be just because her hair is flying backwards, but it looks like her horns are longer when she attacks the slime villain, uh, which, if they are actually longer, might be because she's like really, really pushing herself. Uh, and uh, then also... Uh, that last two-page spread where it's just a bunch of people trying to attack all for one, it does look really cool. I love seeing the scale of it, you know, this massive dark shadow attacking him, Gigantomachia throwing chunks of land, and then Mount Lady coming up to hit him with the horny bat. Uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a cool image, uh, and I like that it shows, like, this is just how much they're trying to throw at this guy in order to keep him down. Uh, also, there's a helicopter, uh, on the last panel, two I don't know why. Two helicopters. Dick, two helicopters. One. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're just like, ooh, we came to Japan in an interesting time. <laughs> he didn't know anything about this. <laughs> it's been news, global news established for months now. And they were like, we don't pay attention to that. We're just transient. We like to kind of go out when we feel like it. And uh, uh, we picked it. <laughs> we picked up. We picked an interesting time to visit Japan. God. Uh, yeah, there's some details in this that I do appreciate, but I feel like the way that it's paced, the fact that it does seem to kind of kind of come up with no real preamble to it uh, does take away a little bit from how there could have been 
two really big moments, you know, Shinso taking over Gigantomachia and having him go after people, and Ashio's big moment where she, you know, she's able to be strong enough and brave enough to actually help protect her friends when she had failed previously. Uh Uh, Those are, on paper, two really big things, but I don't know, something kind of misses a step in the execution that doesn't quite make it feel as big as it should. We're also on a point where we're just spent, Nick. Like, we've watched, like, heroes and villains, like, show up and just, like, whoop ass for like four straight months now like we really haven't had time to like really sit and digest too much even on a weekly basis like what what was like the chapter before this like i don't remember how many ago it was but yeah we had the big uh meatball and wind guy and the tokuyami thing and you know, not too far removed from when Gentle and the God showed back. I mean, we're just at this point where, like, a lot of big moments have happened. And, like, I think it's cool that Ashido has this moment. Uh, but it is one that I'm just like, I wish I had had. I wish it had been more separate from stuff because I'm just at this point where everything's been, like, big, 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 big in my hero. That, like, moments like this just tend not to feel as cool in comparison. Yeah. I totally get that. All right. Why don't we talk about Undead Unluck, maybe? Nick, let's talk about it. Uh, This is Undead Unluck number 152, Gunfight. So the parameters were set last time. There's going to be a gun, a gunfight, old Western duel. uh, And the winner gets disc. Yep. I don't know what Nick's doing. He dropped his his pen. Uh, The rule is basically as long as Fuko hits Billy anywhere, she wins. Uh, Billy has to shoot her in her right ear to win. And also, if he shoots her there and she still hits him, yeah, fuck it, you win too. Like, it's it's really heavily weighted in Billy's favor, but he he seems uh, fairly confident that this is going to work out. So, like, you know, Fuko's like, I don't know, this really seems to be going against you. Like, and he's like, no, this is fair. So she notes that at this point he hasn't copied un- unavoidable. He doesn't have unfair just yet. I won't let him end up. And she thinks back and we, we get a flashback to essentially what happened in the previous loop where none of these tragedies were avoided. Creed can't stop firing this gun. Tella and Billy's entire group has been taken down. Uh, he's out of ammo. He's like, I'm sorry, everybody, what we were all here to do. And then suddenly his gun reloads itself. And he's like, wait, this is just like that guy. All right, cool. Let's fight until the two of us are satisfied. And after, you know, unfair is activated. And afterwards we see him at a grave. We don't know who it's for. We would first assume like, oh, it must be for his soldiers. But this is actually another tragedy to Billy uh as juez is just like yeah you you fought against on decrease i heard about you i venture you had an ability that manifested as well what kind is it and he's just like you know i don't mind suffering i can overcome that through my convictions but other people being forced to suffer is something i can't get behind and i'm always wondering why for certain people life has to be so unfair and we see that the gravestone has the names Veronica and Betty Alford. And uh, Juez brings up, like, I heard your wife and daughter uh, were in an accident. And he's like, yeah, my daughter was still alive. She'd be 10 right now. 
And it's like, so do you fight to atone them? And he's like, nah, I just really fixate on saving people. So I'm going to join your organization because with my ability, I can save even more people and I'm going to require strong allies. So he throws out, I'm unbelievable. I need allies I can trust. And you're like, oh, that's not what he needs. Um, but then we basically cut immediately to him hanging out with Creed and Telen. He's like, this is not going to work. Those guys will not do. They are good kids. They do not belong on the battlefield. They're too busy having fun with each other. There's some that are as old as like my daughter would be at this point. They cannot be involved in this war. So I'm going to steal the table and gather all their hate and copy all of their powers and fight in their stead. And I'm going to need you guys, basically, because I'm going to pull it off because I've got nothing left to lose. And he opens up his locket that has a message in Braille. Uh, someone revealed, uh, I think it was Lazarus in our chat, I don't know what it was. I think it's just like, I love you. Uh, but I do like that little touch. And we see, like, the juxtaposition of, like, him inside Union, and he's the silly guy. He's, like, carrying Phil and, like, getting getting pranked when he's asleep and stuff like that. And then the other side is him recruiting people actively for under and everything like that. And he just notes, like, "This this is what we need to do. We need the strong. And then things will finally be fair. Cut back to the present. Foco is like, your kindness is unfair, Billy. That kindness has brought people to tears. Uh, Nico steps off his little orb, and Fuko's like, I'm going to cut you free right here, right now. Earlier in the chapter, Fuko took off her boots. She noted, like, yeah. hey, it's kind of slippery here. I'm going I'm to take off my boots, essentially. And I have to say... When she did that, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Because, uh-huh. you know, you don't want like either socks or, or you know, really bad shoes on the surface. So, uh, your feet will cling to it better. And uh, so I didn't actually see what she was planning on doing <laughs> until it actually happened. Yeah. Uh, basically, the moment that Nico steps on disc, then because both of them are making like direct skin contact with it, Fuko's unlock activates and the entire disc starts to shift and uh, Fuko is just like, I'm about to take your kindness, your sense of what's fair, and negate it. And I'm like, holy shit, this is like completely unexpected. But Fuko had been intentionally kind of aiming for this to happen. Billy doesn't know what's going on. He tries to call out to Tella. Uh, Voyage just like, hey, don't worry about it. We got your friend. You handle this. Uh, and the coin is now like actively heading towards the ground. Billy's like, I don't understand. Why are you not helping your boss? What's going on? Are you abandoning her? And they're all just like, you got this, Fuko. We believe in you. And we cut back into a flashback as Billy is is saying goodbye to his wife and child, Betty and Veronica. Uh, And he's just like, hey, don't worry. I'm going to be back. Back in a marching. Uh, I'll be back soon. And they're like, hey, but it's not fair for you to expect you to take care of the house and Betty this whole time. You know, he's, he's always had his, his unfair gimmick. Uh, but she's like, I knew what I was getting into when I married you. Have faith and leave things to me. You're always too eager to take care of people. Uh, we don't know exactly what happens. They die at some point. Um, and even in this universe, I believe they are dead. 
so he's just like, how are you able to place so much trust in your allies? The strength of your spirit is downright unfair. And unfair has now manifested. But it doesn't work the same way, Nick. Before, they had to hate Billy before he could copy their powers. But suddenly he's like, I can't draw my gun. Nick, his conditions have changed. He no longer has to make people hate him to use their abilities. Instead, he has to acknowledge their strength. And because he has acknowledged the strength of Fuko and all their allies, he has manifested undraw, preventing him from taking out his gun. Fuko shoots him, right? Gets grazes him across the chest, wins the contest. And she's like, yeah, you know what? We don't seek strength on our own. We support each other. We keep things fair by believing in the possibilities. So, Fuko wins the contest. Billy has unfair, but it's it's a different form of unfair. Yeah, I, um, I'm not sure how I feel about the entire thing. Wait, is yet. that unsick? I, I don't remember. Is that unsick? It really looks like her because she's got the runny nose and the and the same oh, hair. Holy but, shit! But it can't be uh, unless it's a different holder of of unsick, which. Uh, I guess is possible. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, she's way, she's way too uh, young. Yes. Uh, Mathematically it would, young. Or unhealthy, whatever it was, sorry. Un- unhealthy, yes. It, it couldn't be, it can't be the same unhealthy at the very least. Uh, possibly it's, you know, something that gets passed, it gets transferred to someone else after the previous person dies. I know that there are some uh, negator abilities that are like that. But yeah, she's got the constantly runny nose. So uh, anyway, like I was saying, I don't know how I feel about the way that everything plays out in order to just, you know, like, oh, his unfair manifested in a different form. Uh, but the fact that because unfair manifests and then he starts to ha- channel undraw so he can't pull his gun out in order to win the contest, that's why he loses that's a good workaround for why he's not able to win the thing that he should have won. Uh, I, I, I dig that. Um, also, just the sheer gall of Fuko to be like, I'm going to flip the entire platform. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, I, I legitimately enjoy this chapter quite a lot. I understand there's some uh, criticism of how Billy's power is manifesting in a completely different way. And it, it doesn't seem to make a ton of sense for me. It makes a lot of sense based off of like the philosophy of him changing. So completely, it feels a little easy and I could agree about that. Cause we are kind of jumping into things relatively quickly, but I do really appreciate this logic of like Billy's entire philosophy is I need to make these people hate me because they are too weak. I don't believe they have the the constitution to do all these things and I am going to do it in their place. And suddenly now he's like finding himself enamored by their strength and he's like shit. I actually believe these people can do it. And it's like a cool it's a cool thing where he's like now I everything's changed now I I'm copied his abilities but it, you know it works in a different way because he's like shit I can't draw my gun I I think it works out pretty cool I I think Billy is a pretty cool character I still think it would have been cooler if he like manifested unbelieve uh but I actually do think it is cool and I, I wonder if we'll ever touch on unbelievable like as an actual character. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a great fix. Which I, I mean, also might just have never existed. Unbelievable might just be Billy's just apparently that badass with the gun. (laughs) 
Uh, I do appreciate that uh, it's a good fix. You know, it's that it, we don't like we talked about last week. It's uh, you know, it was going to be difficult for him to do Billy things if you if everyone was going to be best friends uh, in this arc through that it's like, OK, well, whose abilities is he going to copy just all of their opponents? But he's not going to have, you know, it's going to be a severe uh, uh, downgrade for him if, mm. if we do that. So instead of having it be like, yes, he can still do about the same things but in a way that allows him to be a good teammate to everyone as well. It's, good. it's a good workaround. Mm-hmm. So we'll see uh, how, how uh, things go out with here. Uh, yeah, it's going to be nice to have Billy be a good guy, part of the crew again. Yep. All right, let's talk some about Chainsaw Man. It's chapter 124. Soup. So Asa is not doing so well. Because the falling devil is going to make her fall up through the sky. She's currently got her hand uh, grabbing onto a guardrail while Yori was shouting at her. <laughs> so super supportive. Uh, um, what, what is it called? Um, oh, what's that like? Like when you have a emotional support, Yoru says. <laughs> <laughs> Asa, fucking listen to me. Uh, say this. Nail knife. And Asa says nail knife. And one of her nails, her fingernails, rips itself out of her finger, flies off, and turns into a knife in the air. And, of course, the severe pain of having a fingernail just ripped out uh, temporarily snaps Asa out of it. And uh, she falls to the ground because Yoru takes control. And uh, she realizes, like, okay, I'm falling downward still, unlike Asa. So Asa, focus on the pain in your finger because that'll help you keep the, your fear at bay. Uh, and she also starts analyzing, like, okay, what what devil is this? Uh, let's see, because there was a traumatic flashback that Asa had, and then the gravity reversed, and some of the humans are affected, but some aren't. So it could be trauma, gravity, moon, suicide. No. This devil makes your hair stand on end. The fear is more primal than that. Oh. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I feel like you know the moon's a pretty primal fear. What's that? <laughs> ah! <laughs> uh, so she thinks that it might be it might be falling, but then she's like, "Why the hell is it here, though? Is it coincidence? Is this famine again?" Uh, Asa kind of looks at her and. Um, remembers that that good that good cat uh being drowned in in the river and uh yoru realizes this is a problem so she takes the nail knife and slashes her own palm with it and asa goes ow and i was like look just think about the pain only think about the pain uh and that does not work. Asa immediately <laughs> takes over the body and and she starts floating up into the air again. Fortunately, because of where they're positioned, she hits uh, like a, a balcony or an overhang of some kind. Uh, so she stops falling upward there. And so Yoru just looks at her and is like, well, what the hell? You're afraid of me. You drove me out of your body because you're afraid of me. I'm trying to keep us alive. Why are you afraid of me now? <laughs> Uh, and she demands that Asa trust her, and Asa says, "How can I trust you, stupid?" Which Yoru takes great offense to being called stupid. 
but she points out like i don't know anything about you you're always trying to say scary things to me you take over my body whenever you want you cut my hand and Yuri says, that's because you're afraid right now. You cut my hand! I really, this is like an intense conversation. I'm 100% on Asa's side. We were just oh, like, yeah. I understand you were trying to save me. You are cutting my hand. What are you doing? Uh, and they just have this very awkwardly positioned talk with each other. Uh, we take Asa's perspective, even though she's the one upside down. Uh-huh. So to, to us, she appears right side up. And Yoro appears upside down uh, with her feet on the ceiling, essentially. Uh, and Yoru says, look, the devil's power is making you negative right now. You've got to think rationally. With my agility, agility, my agility, we might escape. Your fear jeopardizes your survival. So there's a beat. And Asa says, look inside my mind and see. You can do that, right? You can see what I'm really afraid of. I've got trust issues but I'm lonely. So once in a while I'll approach someone, but something always goes wrong and I get hurt. And then I wind up all alone again, solitude and companionship. I'm afraid of both. <sighs> this poor traumatized girl. She's been through so goddamn much. It's brutal. You're like, I really feel for you kid. At times like she's really relatable in her, um, you know, her teenage girl moments of like, of feelings like, fuck that guy. I didn't like him. Uh, but a lot of it, you have to remember, it's like she has lost everything close to her. And uh, yeah, every time that she gets close to someone, something bad seems to happen to them. And we've seen it happen twice in the span of this series alone. Uh, well, no, three times, I guess, if you can, if you count, depending on how you count the whole thing with Bucky uh, and her class. Uh, so it's not good. Meanwhile, um, the falling devil is busy. Uh, she's got work to do. Uh, so, so devil hunters, uh, seemingly were lured to, to the scene. She killed them. Uh, <laughs> and she has cut off s- s- the nose and tongue and ears of one of the devil hunters and has prepared a soup out of it, a potage, uh, that she puts on a dish straddled on the legs of a person whose mouth she has knitted shut and contorted their limbs into a weird position and also given them clockwork orange style eye clamps to hold their eyes open. He's just having this is a this is his kink, though. He's OK. He's having the time <laughs> of his life. I hope it is, because this is it's otherwise be terrifying. Nick, do you know how many horny people in our server would take the place of this person in a heartbeat? No. Austin. I, I'm fine not knowing. So, the falling devil, uh, with two of her many arms, uh, wheels the cart through a door. Uh, not a door in the ceiling, but clearly a door very similar to those in the ceiling. And we get to see what's on the other side of the door. A big bug (laughs) that eats people. Um, But it has a cute bib. uh, So it's not all that terrible. Yeah, it's being polite. It's like, this is a good meal. This is a nice restaurant. You gotta gotta keep table matters up. Um, And uh, there is a spurt of blood uh, as the guy that she is wheeled in presumably gets eaten as well. 
And the Falling Devil says, it's almost time to serve the main dish. Its name is Asa Root Yoru, a human and war devil fusion. Uh, All right. She's coming for Asa, Nick. I don't like this. Well, she's coming for Asa and Yoru specifically because she named both of them. So I don't like it. Uh, yeah. So that's scary. Um, <laughs> yeah, very scary. It's it's a very unnerving uh, little chapter. Uh, you feel sad for Asa, and then you're like, don't worry, she's just in mortal danger. <laughs> it's the devil, the primal fear devil, is going specifically for her. Yeah, that's not terrifying at all. No. Oh boy. All right. Yeah, uh, I I look forward to seeing where things go. I am. I, out of all the chapters I think that came out this week, that one is the one that has me the most like on the edge of my seat. Like, fuck, what's going to happen next? Uh, so, mm-hmm. Akane Banashi, story fifty-five, the vibe of the Rensei Kai. So we have kind of uh, jumped ahead a bit uh, because uh, we were told like, oh, that the the the, the, the whole Rensei Kai thing is happening in a few weeks. Oh, here it is. It's time for that now. So Akane uh, steps forward and kind of you know, reiterates to herself mentally, like, okay, I'm going to go and join up with Kogama Anisan and Kaisei Anisan too. Here I go. And she tries to go through the door and someone calls to her and it's like, no, no, the door is locked. You can't go in that way. <laughs> uh, because there's a couple other Zenza here. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, I almost walked through the same door too, but they told us we need to go around the performer's entrances in the back. And we're introduced to uh, a couple of guys. There is uh, an older Zenza uh, named Kaichi Arakawa. And then there is Kendama Arakawa, uh, younger, who gets called Tama-chan because I guess it's a bit of a play on Kendama. Uh, Akane immediately mistakes Kaichi for being a master because she thinks, oh, oh, he's the master and Kendama is the apprentice. But he's like, no, 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 no. Uh, actually, I only joined the school in May. I know I'm over 30, but just like you, I'm a brand new Zenza. And uh, he calls her Akane Nesan because she is a senior when it comes to doing Rakugoka, but it very much like kind of freaks her out. She's like, I don't like this this <laughs> kind, this older guy talking <laughs> to me that way. So she's like, uh, yeah, let's just um, call each other normally and not have any senpai relationship stuff uh but fortunately they're they're okay with that they just go with it immediately yeah um and uh you know uh, kaichi says like oh it seems like you know uh you're doing a lot better than us because you're the center of attention whereas we're kind of constantly struggling uh kendama is also new uh and akane kind of gravitates towards him immediately because like oh we started around the same time so we could be so we should be friends so hey Akane is making friends in this chapter isn't that nice it's nice that there are like other performers that she's actually going to seemingly form friendly relationships with because everything everyone she's met so far has just kind of like been either like a mentor figure or a rival figure to her so thus far it seems uh kendama says that uh they are uh master iken's apprentice uh and uh, akane is like oh iken from yin yang cops and they're like wait why do you recognize him from that but uh because you know iken has this 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 reputation for 
a lot of stuff and Kanama explains it very poorly by saying he's cool and smart and is really wild wild and that's uh not a very helpful explanation but Kaichi explains that yeah Iken is a Rakugoka and an actor uh, which of course we have known uh that some people take that route but uh Iken also has this proficiency for using the media to execute the Arakawa School's PR strategy. He is the brains behind the Arakawa School. Uh, so that's continuing to build up this master uh, who is seemingly rapidly becoming the third most important member of the Arakawa School next to Shigama and uh, Isho. Mm. Um, they kind of like give each other, you know, props on like, oh, you know, like it's cool that you're this guy's apprentice is cool that you're this guy's apprentice. Kaichi points out that Shigama had not taken uh, an apprentice in eight years before Akane, so Giruka was the most recent prior to that. Uh, and uh, but also it's like, hey, it's you know, it's really difficult to become like you know a pupil of Isho or any of the Arch Four. But because it's such a struggle to get into the school in the first place, all of the Arakawa school of Zenza are formidable. And they finally get into the area where all the Zenza are gathered and we get this big full panel shot of a lot of new characters who are all looking very intense uh, towards them as they enter. All right, Nick, which uh, one's your favorite? Uh, I like the guy sitting down mm. with the uh, big nose because it's like, What's your deal? Yeah. Why, you look like you look like a punk. Why are you doing? Why are you doing Rakugo? I want to know your whole deal. Yeah, uh, I was gonna go with him, but since you've taken him, I'm gonna go with the one way off in the back, uh, who has uh, seemingly no fit. Actually, I thought they had like the gin uh, closed eyes thing going on. They don't. Their eyes are open. So in lieu of them, I'm gonna go with Nerd Boy in the corner there, sitting down. Uh, he's gonna do something eventually. I can feel it. <laughs> It's just it's just Ida from My Hero Academia, but he does Rakugo. <laughs> I mean, he's like engines roar. I race. You're like, there's not that many racing <laughs> Rakugo stories, so you're gonna run out of this gimmick real quick. He's he all of his uh, stories have a bizarrely straight laced attitude toward to them. So you know, for example, so he, like he tells the uh, story that uh, that Kaiyase told about about the uh, woman being paranoid about her husband cheating on her. But then he, but then he said, "I promise I will not cheat on you because that would be wrong." <laughs> and she decided to go to a marriage counselor because it seems like there are issues in the relationship. They worked it out and they're happy now. The end. <laughs> and then off in the back, there's just a boy like, "I don't like this boy. He's too straight laced." <laughs> That's not how the story goes. <laughs> I don't trust him. He's got something to hide. He's coming for my gold. Later that night, Ida is found with a pickaxe through the back of the head. <laughs> oh, what a horrible crime! Oh, we gotta find out who did this, because it could have been anyone! It could have been anybody, but let's not look at the name that's on the pickaxe, because I forgot I signed it! <laughs> Everyone looks at the pickaxe, and it doesn't have a name on it. It just says, MINE! <laughs> 17 exclamation points. <laughs> Could have been anybody. All right, it's Ambo Jackson, clearly. <laughs> uh, Kendama looks around at all of their uh, Zinza rivals and thinks, oh my god, the air is crackling with hostility. This is the vibe of the Rensei Kai. 
but then he looks over at Akane and Kaichi, and they're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, this is this is this is gonna be fun." Yeah, they're just getting really pumped up. Um, uh, Kaichi is nostalgic for high school memories, and Akane is like, "I wonder if anyone else here could be my friend." Basically, <laughs> um, uh, they also bring, uh, they met, he mentions uh, Kaisei. Uh, particularly because Kendon was like, yeah, apparently Kaisei only appeared in the Rensei Guy once, but he earned the recommendation of the Arch Four off that just that one appearance, and he was then fully promoted to Fatatsume after that. It's part of his rapid rise, uh, and then he gets you know really uh, insecure because he's talking about like, oh, it'd be great to be like him, and then he's like, no, no, it's really presumptuous of me to do that. I feel arrogant, you know, making that proclamation, and then Akai's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's okay to try and, you know, say your side size. So let's, yeah, let's do this. And he, she gives him a slap on the shoulder. Uh, so, yeah. Akane's a pretty cool person in a lot of respects when she gets the chance to interact with actual peers as opposed to people who are like, kid, you don't know anything about Rakugo. So it's nice to see that side of her. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, then we get to see a shot of uh, Master Iken on the stage. Uh, he thanks the audience for being there. We see uh, our journalism team, and uh, he says, I'm going to be using this uh, event as an audition. And of the 18 Zenza who will appear here today and tomorrow, the number who will be considered for the next round is only four. <gasps> so uh, let the R school Zenza Rensei Kai begin. And we get a big shot of everyone in their Rakugo performance uh, attire getting set to, to take the stage. Uh we have not seen 18 different people uh, in the uh, handful that we have uh, seen so far. There's a there's only the nine here. Uh, so uh, presumably some people who will be selected might be from a group that we don't see yet. Yeah, I mean, the characters that we are introduced to that we we're picking our favorites out of it, it feels like a group of characters who are not going to be relevant. I feel like uh, the two new characters potentially... Uh, this might be where uh, what's her face shows back up. Um, I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like we're gonna get something there. So I don't know. We shall see. Maybe yeah. maybe this is where Kane, you know, passes to the next round. But uh, what whatever her name is is the one who actually looks like she took the right. was the best one here. Or whatever. You never know, though, Quinn. I mean, like it might it might be like Yu Yu Hakusho, where just like the least important looking out of all of them turns out to be the villain of the of the that, of the of the arc. So that is true. Could be that. Uh, Nick, let's talk about love. All right. Uh, the power of love is a curious thing. Uh, make one man weep. Make another man sing. And uh, I don't know any of the other lyrics to this song. So I'm going to stop now. Chapter 94 of Bubba Blue Box. Bubba Blue Box. Has it been two years? Feels like it's talking about itself. No, we've been doing this <laughs> podcast for like 12 years, Nick. Uh, I feel like the series is talking about itself because oh. like it's about, been about two years. Uh, I but, thought uh, it, I thought it was weird if they were trying to address us. Like, has it been uh, two years? Uh, like, no, we've been doing this for a while. We started One Piece back when they were like just getting. They, we were still in Fishman Island. We were making Horny <laughs> Jones jokes. Ah, uh, look at all days. Uh, so the basketball game is is on. Uh, so uh, Aimee High with Chinatsu is uh, playing. Yumika is watching from the bleachers with that uh, ticket that Taiki got for her. 
and uh, he's, he, she thinks like she's analyzing the game as she's watching it, and thinking like oh, they're they're pretty good. They saw that you know Natsu was open over there. They've got a tight defense. Their offense is flowing smoothly. Um, but as she's watching it, she also kind of like is tensing up a little, and she thinks, you know, I don't remember that time moved so quickly before. I always felt during a game like every little second was packed so densely, and then afterward it would feel like it had ended in a flash. Uh, so she's, you know, just kind of like observing how it's like, oh, it's different to watch it than to actually be taking part in it. Uh, but uh, as as she's watching, she kind of like seemingly gasps or shouts at, at something at some of the action. Uh, and then she, I guess, gets a little bit self-conscious and starts to brush her bangs, uh, which, according to her boyfriend, is an indication that she's trying to hide what she's thinking about. Uh, and she just thinks... Has it really only been two years? Because it feels like it's been forever since she was, you know, all in all in on basketball. We uh, check in on Taiki for a little while. Uh, at this point, uh, he's wondering about the whole situation with Yumeka. He wonders if maybe he should have told Shinatsu that she might be showing up. But he's like, "Yeah, but if I told her that, then she didn't show up. It might have been a bad deal." So, yeah, you made the right call. Don't don't build your expectations up. Uh, a reindeer is trying to pick up a box, uh, which was a weird thing to turn the page on uh, the first time I read this. But it's uh, it's just a Kikurumi. Uh, and it, who's wearing the Kikurumi? It's Hina. And uh, she's trying to pick up a big, heavy box. Uh, so Taiki comes over to uh, to help her pick it up before he realizes who it is. Uh, and he's like, why are you wearing that? And she's like, because it's Christmas. <laughs> so, um, And... Uh, so they, they talk a bit about stuff and, you know, he, uh, she says like, yeah, you know, karaoke, we're going to sing Christmas songs and medleys, uh, but we're going to go to sticker booth for, booth first. And I'm also going to lift my ban on cakes for today. Uh, just Aww. because we don't have boyfriends doesn't mean we can't have fun. And uh, Taiki says, I'm not sure how to respond to that. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, she smiles at him says that that regrets eating you up inside and uh, they put the box down and uh, she goes to leave but uh taiki stops her and says make sure you sing some mariah carey for moria uh so hey uh if you uh were trying to do that whole thing that some people do where you try and avoid mariah carey christmas uh all around for christmas is you you failed even though it's not christmas season it's amazing how this has happened it's happened <laughs> Uh, and, uh, Hina starts to go again and she just kind of like turns away and she's got this kind of half sad smile on her face, uh, just because she's, I guess, getting used to interacting with Taiki normally again. Uh, she's definitely been struggling with that late recently. Taiki runs into, uh, Nishida and, uh, another guy on the Batman team. I don't think it's any of the important characters otherwise uh and uh nishia says like you know i feel like doesn't it feel like christmas how you spend christmas reveals what's most precious to you whether it's with family or lovers people over the world spend christmas with those they care about in other words all i have is the team i wanted to go on a date <laughs> yep yeah hey yeah He's upset because he doesn't get to go on a date with a girl. 
Uh, he sucks. This dude sucks. I hate him. Yeah. I hope you well no, I don't want to hope it. He's a kid. Uh, but stop making everyone else uh feel bad. You're a weird yeah. kid. Uh, Haru comes by and uh, he says, "You know, having a girlfriend isn't a walk in the park either because you know." I don't know what to get her for the holidays. And if you don't make reservations around this time, you can't eat anywhere. And she just like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I want to do those things. I don't want to make reservations. <laughs> uh, and uh, he also brings up to Taiki, like, you know, I'm sure that you were probably hoping to spend at least a little bit of time with her. And Taiki's like, no, it's not like I'm her boyfriend. Oh, my God. Such a dork. A little dork. Yeah, he is. <laughs> But uh, he also thinks to himself, like, Chinatsu's got something more important going on than, you know, dating life stuff. Uh, and he says, you know, if it's a matter of what you value, then that game is the right answer. Aww. I hope. Uh, <laughs> he's do he's trying his best. He that's, is. He's, that's he's, the, he's being a good little bean right now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's, but he says, I hope that this turns out to be a nice Christmas Eve for Yumika too. Well, uh, we cut back over to Yumika, still watching the game, uh, and she, as she's watching it, she's starting to have you know flashbacks to when she was playing alongside Chinatsu, and she kind of like projects herself into the game, like as if she had made a pass to Chinatsu. And as Chinatsu gets set to take a shot, she just fully like just leans over, is like, "Oh, Natsu!" and she makes the shot, and it goes in. And Jinatsu looks up after making the shot. She spots Yumika and she holds up her finger, letting her know that she saw her. And, uh, this is so fucking sweet. Yeah. I love this. I love the uh, looks on uh, Jinatsu's face. You know, she's yeah. she has the look of shock, like, I can't believe that I really just hear that. Is she actually here? And she spots her and you know, is just happy to see her. Your smiles. It's good stuff. I really liked it. This is uh, a fantastic chapter. Uh, love the ending. Good stuff. Really good stuff. I liked it too. Yes, it was sweet. All I want for Christmas is Morg. So. <laughs> oh, Cypher I wish, Academy. I wish that was the name of the chapter. <laughs> chapter 17 of Cypher Academy. Stupid wars are basically rests. What does that mean? I have no idea what that means, but it's great. Uh, so Toshisai uh, is at the head of the class, uh, and she says, Today is Uncoded Day, a special day that comes up once a semester, meant to be a day of restoration where you can rest your brains. Both decoding and explanations are prohibited. <laughs> So weird. It's like yes. You're like when I just it's it really makes me laugh that it cuts to Aroa and he sheds a single tear of happiness. This series is so extra at times. Uh he's he's so happy and he's, he's like, I don't have to die. <laughs> uh we uh, also get for some reason, a overhead shot of Cypher Academy uh, and are introduced to the zones surrounding the main building of the school. 
it towards the center is the free zone, then the limited outing zone, then the prohibited zone, then the danger zone. <laughs> Highway to uh, the. Also, the, I did not realize, I don't think until this chapter, that the school is shaped like a padlock. Well, yeah, it's shaped, it's, it's the school shaped <laughs> like a giant padlock, because why wouldn't it, Nick? Why wouldn't it be shaped like a padlock? Uh, Iroha looks at all of his classmates and is like, oh my god, no one's died so far this year! Uh, but uh, we should uh, focus on recovering, yeah. Uh, and Toshisai, you know, brings it everyone saying look the instructor said we should take this opportunity to kind of get to know each other before the class leading private is chosen so everyone uh, suggests a form of recreation that does not require codes because specifically it's 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 like uh it's like the uh, oh passover am i thinking of the right one uh where it's like you know no work essentially uh i know the one you're thinking of i'm blanking on it yeah, it's not Passover. Uh, I don't think. Um, anyway. ah, I'm blanking on. I'm sorry. So, um, they start kind of like suggesting ideas, and it kind of gets to a point where people are realizing like how much codes are kind of baked into a lot of group activities. So they're saying like, "Oh, what about sports?" Like, no, nah, there's there's signs in sports, so that's that's not really a go. Uh, and uh, Tayu like takes out some of her puzzle things that she gave, had before and like I guess symbolically puts them down on the desk like oh, I won't be using these because it's puzzle solving and stuff and they're also like well we can't really do board games or anything like that uh, Iroha realizes that dancing and music are also prohibited which I think is a little bit of a stretch <laughs> but uh, it is um, wild he's like these kids the moment we start playing music, we'll get into code battles over it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he also notices that anonymity uh, has uh, not uh, come to school today. So, uh, which I guess is he is implying is because she codes her identity, she just isn't going to be at the school. Uh, so, Yusai Mura makes the suggestion that they make Baumkuchen cakes. Uh, and uh, she says, like, yeah, you know, like, we'll just, like, make pastries. No one's got to, like, hide anything or keep secrets. They're just, you know, sweet, puffy treats that can make anyone happy. And uh, then she caps off her explanation with, if armies would only cook pastries, the world would become peaceful in the blink of an eye. I mean. Yeah, I mean, they're not wrong. Maybe. <laughs> Nick, if you if we took, if America took every cent out of military spending and put it into uh, food making, we'd have a lot more cream puffs. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And that's all we need for mash to protect us anyway. So uh -huh. there you go. Uh, uh, Toshisai starts to say like, oh, okay, well, we can go over to the home ec room uh, and, and get some libraries and stuff. But USI Morris says, no, 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 no. Recipes are kind of like codes. Uh, and, Anyway, uh, we're, these are like going to be like military rations. We'll just make them outside from square one. So they go outside and uh, everyone kind of like splits into groups. So uh, Iroha goes off with uh, with Kasuri. And uh, because they're like tilling in the fields, gathering like wheat to make stuff. Iroha's like, let me just do a really easy code instead. <laughs> uh, uh, 
and he's now that he's forced to do manual labor, he's like, what if I just make a little code? Just a little one instead. Just a little tiny code, yeah. Uh, and uh, so they're like basically in charge of like gathering wheat for stuff. Uh, as we go around to after that point to the different groups who are like split into different teams, uh, gathering different ingredients, cutting different things down, we get little shots of uh, that kind of indicate like, oh, this is kind of what this person is a bit about. So Obro is with the team that is like that is like cutting down bamboo and each of them has like their own like tool or weapon that, that they have a thing for because they're all nerds. Yeah, they're uh, all big edge lord <laughs> dorks. Uh, and as we're kind of getting around to all these different people, uh, we are also told uh, what their favorite type of bamkuchen is, which I don't know if I've ever had a single type of it. Uh, so I didn't know that there were like 19 different types. <laughs> so my favorite uh, if, is lime. OK, I, I believe hope, you. I hope that's a real one. I don't know. Uh, the. Uh, Touch side group uh, went to go and get some honey. No, wait, and... cookies and cream. Okay. Can I change my answer? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, you can. Everyone starts coming back together after they've gathered ingredients, including the Toshi side group who went to get some honey, and they show up in the most extra way possible in beekeeper gear. <laughs> I love it. Just... I, I love, and they're all posing like these bitches can't do anything normally. <laughs> they, have, no, they have to walk into a scene with a big pose. Oh man. Uh so the uh you know, night falls, they're gathered around a fire as they're making stuff. They've got, you know, some bamboo uh kind of done up on a on a fire pit, a flame pit in order to cook it or bake it. And uh they start talking about like, oh yeah, you know, if even a prisoner could could make one, then it should be easy for us. We've got the whole school's you know resources at our disposal. And Hero's like, What were you talking about? And Toshisai says, well, during World War One, Karl Jukheim, a German baker, was a prisoner who was relocated to Hiroshima. After the war ended, he created Japan's first Baumkuchen. Using whatever materials he could scrounge up from prison. At the time, most Japanese people had never seen that type of cake before. It ended up being sold at the Prefectural Product Exhibition Hall and became extremely popular. Uh... The place that is now known as the A-Bomb Dome, by the way. Uh, so Iroha uh, kind of like, you know, looks over at Yusamura, who organized the whole thing and says, so are you saying that this is you did this as like a lesson about peace? And she says, no, nah, no, nah, I would never force you to study on a holiday or when you're eating sweets. It's just that just remember that there have never been any holidays in any war in human history. Not true. I was going to say, uh, I, I can almost very specifically recall Christmas being celebrated in some of the world wars. Uh-huh. Including World War I. Yeah. Very famously. So, so not true. Uh, so maybe you should have taught a history lesson while you were doing this stuff. That would be great uh, if someone's like, actually, a couple wars actually, did happen. And they get shot. They were like, we told you. No explanations. No. no. <laughs> They're like, is it her story an explanation? Uh... But Iroha says, like, hey, that's still kind of like a secret hidden thing here. So that uh, that's not really fair of you to do. That's a bitter secret ingredient. And Yosemura says, stop trying to act so cool. <laughs> We're just eating candy, you weird little doofus. 
I feel like I want to just clip that out and just like have that be a reaction to half the things that happened in the series. Just stop trying to act so cool. <laughs> but uh, hey, everyone's you know just kind of like gathered around a fire, eating sweets, just kind of getting along for yeah. once. It's it's nice. It is very nice. I I, I wish we had kind of gotten chapters like this a little bit earlier than this because it really would oh, yeah. get you more of an idea of what these characters are like. Yeah, you know, when they're like when the stakes aren't super high all the time what do they do just to relax and stuff as it turns out uh not everyone is relaxing because anonymity requested is spying on everyone from a vantage point uh, up on the roof of the school uh and uh she's like what the hell are they doing there's tons of bum cushion that they could have from the cafeteria <laughs> like fuck this loser so, so stupid uh she is hanging out with Kagoe, and although Anna, well, Anna I mean, are, is it the cafeteria also specifically had to solve it. puzzles to get food? Stuff. So like, yeah. maybe they're like, so touche. <laughs> yeah, how about that anonymity, son? You, the whore. <laughs> I don't know. I had to get harsh with it. Uh, and for once, I kind of like Kagoe's weird corn dog obsession thing because at the end of all of this stuff of like all these different stews, this is their favorite type of bomb cushion. If we get K- Kagoe likes corn dogs, so, <laughs> everyone's favorite, enough. and then boom, yeah, loves corn dogs. Uh, anonymity requested is specifically scoping out her three rivals for the leading private selection, uh, and. Uh, uh, Kagoya says, like, you know, they actually did, like, a really good job of decrypting the frosty atmosphere of mistrust that should have persisted after the murder mystery game. Uh, and uh, Anonymity realizes, like, I guess I was only focused on Toshisai, but I guess we got ambushed by an unexpected foe here. Rokaku Yosai Mura. Uh, and uh, Kagoya's like, all right, yeah, well, you know, let him rest. And get all the sugar they want because next week they'll have to take on 53 different codes at once. I call it Leaky Poker. I don't know why. It sounds super cool and I'm excited for it. I get the impression that it may be a matter of like uh, they have to play poker but won't know what the cards are unless they can solve the the, uh, the codes. Yeah, on I'm them. sure that's. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, uh, this was actually a really nice chapter, I felt like. It was a very interesting change of pace, and I do very much appreciate that we got this kind of quiet break in order to introduce us as well to Yosai Mura, because we are already familiar with Iroha and Toshisai. Uh, Anonymity requested got the big, oh, I'm the villain introduction uh, in the previous chapter. And so Yosai Mura was just kind of like the fourth wheel there. I didn't have a lot of focus, and so I was like, hey, let's do this thing where she kind of like pushes everyone nudges them towards doing the thing that she wants and you get to kind of know her a little bit as a result of it so that's nice yeah um let's go quickly my back is starting to hurt so i don't have time right. for nonsense ginka and luna chapter 27 ginka uh so there was a time when when ginka was was hanging out in a village and was uh, getting smacked around uh, by uh, a very um, bad adult who forced him to work really hard and not eat because uh, his sister was taken from him because they both had horns. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, he went into the forest 
talked to a talking rabbit. Uh, and he talked to Lucifer. <laughs> Lucifer, the talking rabbit. Yeah. Um, uh, who said, people fear those who aren't like themselves. They keep away out of fear. Look at me. I don't have a single rabbit friend. I get along better with you because you're special. I'm not creepy at all. I'm yeah. just an evil talking rabbit. This is normal. This is what normal things uh, rabbits do. <laughs> you should uh, kill G everyone you know. <laughs> Gig is just like, look, my sister and I were just born with horns. And they said that our mom got hit and killed by a falling star while she was pregnant with us. Uh, so that's kind of crazy. Uh, and uh, the rabbit's like, well, where is where is your sister? And he says, oh, it's bought by a local lord because he kind of just thought that she was a curiosity but he promised that if I earned enough money then he would sell me back my sister at a fair price and look I've got nothing right now no education no money but I'm going to save up money and get my sister back no matter what and uh, we get a montage of him you know trying to gather money however he can doing menial tasks all over the place and then he get gets mugged and uh, all of his money is taken from him uh, not just mugged arrows shot into his back but he, he has survived and stumbles his way back to the rabbit. And he says, they took all my money from me. Uh, my sister was already dead. And then I was escorted away. And the guy who bought my sister just mounted her head on a wall. And we fucking just see this little girl's skull with horns mounted on his wall. Uh, and he, he's like, even though I promised her that I would get her back, this, this all happened. And the rabbit says... Do you believe in fate? Do you think it was coincidence that you and I met in those woods? That you were sold to that innkeeper? Being born with those horns, was that just happenstance? Do you think there was meaning in your sister being born and dying? It wasn't just any meteorite that hit your mother. It was a piece of a giant moon created to produce vast amounts of magical energy lost to time long ago! This is wild. <laughs> Yeah, it's well, you got to go big, Nick. You're going home in like a week, so pretty much. Uh, but he just says, you know, like if you were the sort of person who believed in fate, you would find meaning in all those things. The horns that brought you such contempt could have been your weapon, and you could become a powerful magician. And uh, Ginka embraced this and fucking destroyed the castle and took back his sister's skull. And he acknowledges everything I did was a mistake. It took me so long to save that money. I should have just snuck in and taken her back as soon as I could. Uh, and then I took over a castle. What was I trying to do? I made mistake after mistake. And then he the final big mistake was that he had trusted Magaraka, who was, of course, the one in the guise of the rabbit. Uh, so this somehow obviously was connected to Magaraka rising to power again. Uh uh, and uh, influencing other people along the way. And then Gig admits, I made another mistake with Luna because things have not turned out well for Luna. She is forgotten uh, and she's not in a good shape right now. Hey, look, it's Beretta and Anemone. They approach uh, Ginka and now that they're back in a place where they can recover, uh, they say, look, you've got to talk to Luna. And he says, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, and they say, look, if you talk with her, she might remember something. And he says, it's better that she doesn't. Whether she remembers me or forgets me, what's important is that Luna is happy. I won't make another mistake. Yay, downer chapter! Woo! 
I feel bad. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I really have nothing to say about it. Uh, the series is going to, because we officially got word that Tokyo Bride, whatever it is, is ending this week. So uh, we have the announcements for the new series, and I think it's four of them. So we're going to get like four more cancellations. Well, two more at least. Uh, right, cause because there were there were some cancellations. We had high, high, high school family and uh, PPP. So there's at least one more after tokyo and it's 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 king and luna um it's yeah we we shall see anyways uh let's talk about mashal nick this is magic and muscles chapter 149 it is at zero and the unstoppable magic so last time uh mash had been sucked into full metal alchemist to talk to god <laughs> and he was told he had to give him his most cherished thing if he wanted to return to life uh which is memory of his friends and mash refused to do that and we basically just repeat the conversation that last chapter ended with. Uh, so he's like, nope, I can't. I wasn't really listening to anything you said. Uh, and immediately fucking <laughs> hands come out the door, grab Mash and <laughs> slam him in again. And uh, he's like, hmm, he won't be able to free himself this time. Mash is struggling. And then we start seeing the door against the <laughs> ground, like start to shake. He's like, uh... Oh, actually, wait, no, don't do this again. Don't stop, stop. And Mash just pulls hard enough that the whole door comes off the ground and slams to it. I love that Mash just truly hates doors unintentionally, <laughs> breaks everyone he sees. Uh, the higher beings just like, that door has stood for countless millennia. Uh, Mash just like, look, I want to live with peace with them, in peace with everyone, and I won't stop until I get it, so please. And higher beings like, all right, fine. <laughs> I've never met someone like you, so I get guess, out of my house. Yeah, I guess I wish he said that. Get out of my house would have been really, really funny. So he's like, "I'll send you back, like this place where people go and and have a new life, and I make deals with them." So I guess it wouldn't work <laughs> if all the humans die and I don't get to yeah. like make deals with them anymore. And Mash is just like, well, "Let's just pretend this is all my idea, actually." Yeah, Mash is just like, "Oh, cool, yay." <laughs> Can I ask you one more thing first? And the figure's like, oh, really? What's up with your attitude? Like, you're really not supposed to talk to me like this. And Mash is like, I'd like to get some more reps in before you send me back. I'm going to need more muscle if I'm going to win. <laughs> and he starts flexing. Harvey's like, all right, man. Uh, we cut back the fight with Melia Duel. Uh, Innocent Zero is just like, you can't face me at this point activates his big time magic just sends out like an absolutely like obliterating beam magic looks like she's gone but Miliadul's still standing has a little wand in front of her it is quote the moly staff the staff of legend that took down cersei witch of darkness and the mortal enemies to those who use dark magic so it apparently absorbed the blast and Miliadul will fire it back out like wow this is so powerful <laughs> uh, but he just like sends out like a shield knocks it forward up in the air he's like you could not affect me Meliodul's like what about if it was at point blank range she's suddenly right behind him is activating the magic he's like no it looks like he's going to be absolutely obliterated uh, everyone's like no Meliodul she's sacrificing herself and like the smoke clears and she's like wounded you like just, you know destroyed on the ground basically and they're like where's innocent zero and they look up and he's flying they're like how how is he still alive it was at point blank range and they're like he used his magic to keep setting time back to redo the fight till he won basically like 
he just like, he used he used safe states like a dirty cheater. Essentially, yeah. And to like shit, this dude is way too powerful now. We can't stop him. And then Sin Zero lands, shoots out some of his clock hands. It looks like it takes out uh Caldo Gehenna. Or yeah, no, Ryu Grants and uh uh Ray Names. So that's that's the end of the chapter. No one can stop it, is it zero? Yeah. Yep. Uh, fortunately, uh, Mash will be getting back from Snakeway any minute now. Any so minute it'll, now. It'll be, it'll be okay. I'm going to be right back. Right. We got, uh, Elusive Samurai. Uh, so we get, honestly, I think my main highlight of this chapter, which is, uh, when Yoshisada, uh, tries to cross waters by throwing his sword into deep water in an attempt to make it shallower so that they can get across. It doesn't work, but then the water goes out. What's happened? Ah, well, it was all the work of Mima who used her holy abilities uh, in order to do it. And uh, it was, of course, at her father's instruction to do this. And uh, she's like, yeah, I mean, it was pretty easy. I just, you know, infuse water and air particles with my power so that each one gives the next a push. That's all it took for me. One particle forces another to, to accelerate and intensifies the wind and the pull of the tides. And now she's doing it around the uh, building that uh, Nagoe and his troops are recovering in. And the whole thing fucking collapses. Uh, and we get narration saying that, yeah, this is the thing that literally happened. Uh, the Great Hall collapsed on the troops and it was said that it was really sturdy. So a common typhoon couldn't have destroyed it. The wind must have been of a, a violence beyond human understanding. OK. Yeah. So. Uh, so things aren't doing so good. And uh, then uh, we see that uh, Shizuku has alerted Tokiyuki and company about uh, Mima's presence. They confront her along with her father. Uh, and uh, they're like, ah, here it is. And everyone's like, holy shit, Mima did all that. Uh, and uh, Tokiyuki refers to her as Mima Dono. And Mima says, don't use an honorific on me. We're enemies. And you deceived me in order to pull off your uprising. And she gets really, really, really angry. Uh, she starts casting wind around herself. She starts crying tears of blood and shouts out, I thought we were friends and I thought you were honest. Uh, uh, Shizuku jumps in the way uh, between Tokyuki and a bunch of uh, debris that are swirling around them. And Mio's like, all right, I'll just kill you both. But Shizuku says, the purpose of my life is to give you divine protection. And uh, the wind is kind of shielded from them uh, and instead def the debris that Mima has been casting around deflects towards her and uh, her father who's like okay shit we've got to go because it's just the two of us we don't have any bodyguards because we're undercover as commoners so Mima casts a finger towards Tokyuki's group and says I'll come again at a crucial moment in your life and uh, make their leave uh, but the damage is done the great hall has collapsed a bunch of Nagoe's uh, troops are buried under the rubble. Uh, but he says to his men, don't worry, we're going to we've got enough troops that we can hold off the enemy because we've got we've got plenty of soldiers uh, and uh, fighting breaks out. Uh, there um, is a flashback where um, um, that new general guy uh, like was saying stuff and he actually s s puts forward his son uh, as a hostage, uh, specifically so that, you know, the public will trust him, trust that he won't do anything. 
Uh, then they see that the Ashikaga are coming towards them in the present, and they're like, oh my god, that does that mean that they annihilated Nagoe's forces? Yep, and they chopped off that kid's head. He's dead now. Uh, so it's a good thing we were introduced to him two chapters ago and got to know him because he's dead. Uh, and now they're on their way. Yeah. So that's the chapter. It's very sad. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> let's talk about Black Clover. Uh, this is, oh fuck, it's sideways. It's a poster, Page 355, the Star Prince. It took me a moment before I realized this is an advertisement for the movie that's coming out. And instead, I thought this was like an introduction to a bunch of new characters. And I was like, fuck, man, it's weird they're introducing them in the cover spread. And I was like, wait, where's Master Luscious? That's not what he looks like. (laughs) Um, so we open... Uh, everyone's like, shit, Jack, he's already, we don't get to finish that thought, as William Vanchance is like, no, I'm gonna activate my tree magic, and I'm gonna kill you, cause I will stop you, and, uh, Master Luscious is just like, none of you have the power to defy me, and, like, fucking, like, erases William Vanchance's arm with this blast, and Mm. all these angels are loading up their big special beam cannons and they're like, and now for the final judgment, it's like holy light descending upon them, but it's about to murder all of them. It is aesthetically fucking excellent. It's uh, like that bit with all the star destroyers that have death star beams, but not stupid. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. All of these things are about to fire off their holy light and eviscerate the entire Clover kingdom. Everyone is just watching this happen. The beams fire off, but before they can connect, Stars line up, create a giant circle, and block the entire kingdom. It's you know he has used his star magic to save everybody. Uh, uh, Yami, holy crap, uh, is like, holy crap, this has been like, it's only been like a year, and this dude's leveled up this much. Uh, William Vengeance watches from afar, saying like, I see, you have surpassed me. He points off, and he's like, I appoint you the captain of the Golden Dawn now, you know? And you're like, yeah, probably that's probably for the best. <laughs> you kind of suck. Boy, it's a good thing that, you know, uh, William Vanges, like stuck around after that whole Elfark thing, <laughs> because he was super relevant and uh, needed to do a lot of things uh, and stuff. Yep. Yeah. But we good see, thing. we see, you know, there, who, remember, from his vantage point, this guy killed Asta and took over sister who's an important person. We see like a little flashback of Yudo kind of dealing with the rest of his family just uh, you know, from the orphanage, just sobbing in pain. So he's just like, There is no way I would ever forgive you, Master Luscious. That's not what he calls him. <laughs> That'd be kind of weird if in this moment he called him Master Luscious. But he says, But that's not going to be why I defeat you. I'm going to do it because I'm the man who will be the wizard king. And you see all the wrapping come off his hands. And uh, <coughs> Master Lush is like, I knew I'd have to put you down myself. It's a good entrance. It is. <laughs> extre- this is an extremely it's really cool. cool. <laughs> yeah. I love, it's- I don't know, it's so cheesy. William Vantage shows up. It's like, oh, I'm going to stop you. Gets shit pushed in. <laughs> and then like, it's like, actually, maybe you. <laughs> <laughs> of the golden dawn maybe you are all the captains of the golden dawn <laughs> that'd be great he's like i don't want to get my shit pushed in uh uh you charmy you are the leader of the golden dawn. 
He just points at random different people. <laughs> you down there, Rachel, you have always been the leader of the Golden Dawn. You, Rebecca, who's not an important character, you will be the captain of the Golden Dawn. I tried to remember Rebecca's name and I called her, I called her Rachel, which felt very on character for me. For yeah. All right. Yeah, it was it's a it's a very simple but cool chapter. It was nice. One piece. Chapter 1079, The Emperor's Crew, The Red-Haired Pirates. Uh, so, a few hours ago, uh, we see that... Uh, oh, gosh, I've forgotten her name. York. Is it, it, it is York. I thought I was getting them mixed around. Like the, pepper, like, like the peppermint patty. I'm not, not going to help, but okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> So York, not the uh, many other things York could be <laughs> defined as. I, I immediately go right to the candy. So York uh, basically has has a plan, which is like, look, the world government's not just trying to erase the Stella; they're trying to erase me as well. So I've got my own plan. I want you all to go around and get rid of all of my obstacles. Now that the frontier dome is closed, kill everyone except for me and the Stella, and the people underground. And uh, so all of the... Uh, we see that, the, this, that they've been... The, uh, the Seraphim have been following her orders this whole point since they started working against uh, the Vegapunk side. Uh, and uh, she says, okay, well, you guys start causing a ruckus. They're going to be looking for the culprit, wondering who gave you orders. So I want one of them one of you to pretend to beat me while they're watching. She specifically says to, to the Hancock, pretend to beat me and then undo your power when they're not. Uh, and uh, it just the little Hancock. She's like, okay, okay. She's good to go with this plan. Uh, and she also tells them specifically not to destroy a place in the lab. So, uh, we cut around seeing some of the chaos unfold and uh, the dome for a little bit and then cut over to, oh right, Elbaf, there was a fight that was going to happen there between <laughs> the kid pirates and Shanks. Um, hmm, well, so... <laughs> I bet it's going to go great for one of them. First off, we're introduced to uh, a number of the members of Shanks' fleet who are all just like different degrees of pathetic. <laughs> I love that there's one guy. He's so old. It's not even called a pirate crew. He's the social cub land leader. He <laughs> shoots his teeth out. He's called an adventurer and his Jolly Roger has no teeth. <laughs> He's just old and that's his thing. Yeah. Which, I'll be honest... If I was a big pirate captain and I had a fleet, he would be on it. The fucking adventurer dude would be one of my generals. All right, buddy. I'm going to get you your peanut flavored suckers. Yeah. Oh, my them. God. I just keep getting a bags of pizzas. Like, you know, I'm allergic to these. I'm like, not in my heart. You're not. <laughs> now, enjoy them, Amori. He's like, my name's Fugar. I'm like, just whatever you say, Amori. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so kids just kind of like, what the hell are these losers doing in Red Hair's operation? Uh, Killer does say, like, okay, let's not get sloppy, though, because there are actually some famous names among them as well. Uh, and uh, so uh, Shanks specifically, you know, calls out to people, like, hey, move those ships out of the way. Uh, and they're like, we're going to protect you, Captain Shanks. He's like, look, I appreciate that. Move the ships. 
and all the people who are fighting over were like, but we just saw you, Cap, are you really leaving? It's like, this was only supposed to be a temporary stop, and people are like clinging on to him as he's trying to make his way through the crowd. It's like, look, guys, let me walk, move the ships. Remember, my affiliates are famous for being weak. Uh, so, an interesting gimmick. <laughs> I do kind of like it. Like, Shanks would just, like, he just wants to be friends with people he thinks are interesting because I really care about yeah. their strength. Uh, so everyone has a big laugh because they're like, oh, Cam Shanks is going to go kick some ass. Uh, he gets on his crew and like, oh my god, look, it's people who he met in, like, chapter one. <laughs> so... Uh, I don't remember any of their names. Lucky, uh, Lucky thanks. Rocks, Ben Beckham, uh, Yassop, uh, and I think you, I remember, you, yeah. you might you might see Rockstar at some point. Those are the only characters you Yassop, need though. to remember. Uh, so he asks, like, hey, have you guys got any intel on Blackbeard? And they're like, nope, just that he's left Pirate Island. So, hmm. But they do all pass over Well, it's data. it's worth noting, we saw a shot um, in this chapter of the Blackbeard Pirates, one of their ships headed towards uh egghead island oh yes very briefly we see the flag as it said headed towards the egghead yeah. so that's that's what the movement of blackbeard is important uh yeah you know not enough stuff was happening over an egghead island. <laughs> there's a lot going on nick uh, so Shanks just, you know, kind of like briefly reads kids, a uh, Pokedex entry, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Do you know what he's getting into? Uh, kid asks her like, Hey, how many ships are there? And it turns out that there are nine that they're facing down and kids like, look, I don't care who they are. I'm going to wipe them out with my damned punk. And he makes a big gun, uh, with his metal ability, uh, gets set to fire his cannon uh, and Shanks sees a vision uh, and leaps into action because he sees like all of the ships of people who are you know, sailing out to confront Kid being blown the fuck apart, bodies being torn in half by the force of these blasts. And he's like, I, the, the damage is too extreme. And uh, someone in his crew, don't know their name, says, I think he's seen ben, an ugly ben future. Beckham. Ben Beckham. So this is a pretty regular occurrence for Shanks. He has uh, very good observation hockey. Very place. good observation hockey. <laughs> so he just leaps across the sea towards Kid's ship and says, Divine Departure. And Kid's ship explodes. <laughs> um, it is blasted by a massive shockwave that he swings he swings it. his sword he does some kind of sword technique it's a sword technique yeah and it it also at the same time releases so much conquerors hockey that like even like important members of his crew are knocked yeah. out uh kid and his crew go flying shanks lands and sheathes his sword he looks very pissed off because he knows the kid could have killed a bunch of his friends uh and uh, it's uh, knocked. This is knocked over killer. It's knocked over kid. A few people who weren't directly hit are uh, gathering around kid and killer like, holy shit, he's dying. Uh, those who are left up sur surrender to Shanks immediately. They're like, look, just don't kill our captain. Spare our lives. They hand over their road poneglyphs, every last one of them. Uh, and then uh, someone calls to shanks it is a weird looking dude i believe it's yasop who's just like hey come back over here the giants are about oh, okay. to fuck this guy, this guy's whole day up yep 
Uh, and they swing their weapons and they fully tear kids ship in half, like bisected down the middle. Uh, and their ship falls into the sea. The pirates fall into the sea and we just get narration saying at Elbath in the new world, the three billion bounty pirate Eustace Captain Kid and his kid pirates destroyed. So, um, if you forgot how strong Shanks is, here's your reminder. Uh, I mean, look, he's finally he finally did something after decades. He he finally did something. It was pretty cool. Uh, I am disappointed. I had this chapter spoiled to me and not in the usual way. Not like I went into Discord and someone posted mm-hmm. an image, not our Discord, but like some Discord, someone happens or like I went onto Twitter and checked out the trendy topics. I was scrolling through this uh, TikTok and not even a, not even like a, a manga recapper because I don't follow them for this explicit reason. There's a movie guy I, I watch and he starts up a chapter. He's like, yo, we need to talk about what happened to the newest chapter of One Piece. If anyone's curious, his name's Straw Hat Goofy. A lot of people might know him. He's, he's oh yeah, like a relatively popular uh, personality, but he he's a One Piece fan. So every so often I'll talk about One Piece. He's like, let's talk about the biggest this new chapter of One Piece. And I was curious for a second because I was like, oh, maybe he's talking about like the York twist. Because I didn't remember the chapter number off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And then it immediately cut to this shot. And I was like, motherfucker. God damn it. <laughs> I was like, I can't even try to like move away from the video at this point. Like I'm like, I already saw the, the crazy shot of the kid pirates just getting fucking eviscerated. Uh, we've seen some bad stuff happen to ships. And what happens to kids ship is fucking brutal. <laughs> It's savage. It's it's pretty savage. I do appreciate that the fight like ends really quickly. Shanks just like uses this foresight to be like, this could be prolonged, but he's gonna fuck up a lot of my family doing so, a lot of my, you know, fleet. So fuck that. Ain't happening. Taking this bitch out immediately. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. So we'll see what the consequences of that are in the future, but uh hopefully we'll get back to Egghead and start, you know doing stuff there again yes and that's it for manga this week guys um yeah some crazy stuff happened this week <laughs> yeah there was a lot of uh i think really really cool stuff going on here but of course at some point we had to pick our favorites favorites to MVP, yes. nick yeah this is gonna be a little bit tough isn't it oh i don't know if there was a chapter i disliked this week I guess the samurai came closest because I was like, okay, that character we were just introduced to is dead and we're supposed to care. Okay. (laughs) Little, little child. Um, I I'll go first here and I'm going to give my chapter of the week to one piece. I thought it was a really, really cool conclusion. Uh, Shanks looked, uh, really, really awesome. Uh, I almost considered him also giving him MVP. I'm not, though. I'm going to give it to Asa because that was like an intensely like heartfelt conversation that she has with Yoru. Uh, but One Piece, I wanted to give some kind of special attention to because that was a really awesome chapter. Uh, I'm going to go for Black Clover, I think. Wow. Um, wow. Very, look, very simple. No messing around with characters you don't give a shit about. None of this, like, ooh, look at what's Jack gonna do. No, William Van just steps forward, gets blown up, and then important characters do stuff. (laughs) And a giant wave of cannons fire, and a giant shield stops them because Yuno is super powerful now. Message delivered, Yuno is the strongest wizard in the kingdom currently. Uh, 
and he's probably going to get his shit pushed in by Lucius, honestly, uh, in order to set up, you know, how high the stakes are. Uh, so, job done for that chapter. My fav- my MVP, uh, I think I've got to give it to Asa as well. I, yeah. I think that, that just, like, how very emotionally trying this experience is for her really sucks you in. Uh, and just when she just lays out everything like, look, I just I I can't not be with people and I can't be with people and just really presses home like how miserable her existence is and how bad I feel for her uh, for all the most for worst pieces for all the worst reasons possible. Asta is the MVP this week. I feel so bad for her. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, the audience, by the way, picked Blue Box as chapter of the week. I was absolutely considering that. I think it's a great good. choice. And then Shanks as their MVP. Totally get it totally get it yeah lots of good stuff this week guys uh, and uh, a lot of stuff that had me going well shit what's gonna happen now uh because i want to know what happens with this falling devil thing i want to know if uh yumeka and jinatsu are going to like fully just like become friends again and what's going to become of that uh i want to know how badly yudo gets his shit pushed in, in a couple chapters and uh there's also this whole thing with you know people running around on egghead in one piece so lots of stuff that i really want to know what what happens soon and it's nice to be excited about that yes you know what else is nice to be excited about though uh guys it's the end of another week of uh, weekly manga recap uh, which we record here Wednesdays at uh, around 7.30 Eastern time in the evening on twitch.tv slash RoboT. Uh, but you can always follow us in order to find out when more is coming. You can do that by going on Discord, social media channels, uh, patreon.com slash weekly manga recap. Uh, and uh, if you do that, then you might be one of the first to learn when we will talk about our next recommendation. And Quinn, I understand you have something picked out for us. Yes, I, I do have our next recommendation. So uh, I'm technically breaking the rules here. I don't believe anyone on our Discord has technically recommended this series yet. Um, but I, I heard new of this series, and uh, I basically picked it for two reasons. We're like four months into the year, and we've read like two recommendations. So I, I wanted us to read something that I think we can get to in like a week, because this only has two official volumes out. I think there might be more that maybe is not officially translated, but it's only two volumes officially. And this sounds like a lighthearted series that uh, I think people will enjoy. Uh, This is a series called She Loves to Cook and She Loves to Eat. And it is about a woman who likes to cook as like a hobby and sort of de-stresses her. Um, But she makes more food than she can eat. So she invites a neighbor over and maybe it moves into something else. Maybe these two ladies uh, start to become more than friends. So... Uh, I think this looks like a cute little series and hopefully it will, uh, be a different vibe than the last recommendation. (laughs) Hopefully. So guys stay tuned for that. We might have that very soon. Uh, but, uh, you can check, uh, check out our discord where we have a wonderful community that discusses the recommendation as it comes in new chapters as they come out, all sorts of stuff associated with the podcast and also just like fun, geeky stuff. Uh, and uh, you can use that as well to find the Google Doc where people make recommendations like this and others. Uh, it was maintained by Ninja X3i, who also uh, goes out of his way to keep track of lots of statistics and polls associated with the show. So shout out to Ninja X3i for doing that for us and helping us to remember things we otherwise would not. Uh, also, 
thanks to everyone who helps make the show what it is. People who support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash weekly manga recap. As I said before, Milo Jack Stills and Winston Trader for creating the opening sequence, which you can see in the video versions of the show on YouTube, youtube.com slash weekly manga recap. And Steve Mann, who occasionally makes some title cards for us that you can also see on YouTube. And you can check out his artwork wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet. Steve Mann Art is the handle that he uses everywhere. And guys, I think that's going to do it. Thank you all for joining us for this episode. And uh, remember, uh, if just because it's not vacuum sealed doesn't mean that there are boobs in it. Uh, and I think that we have demonstrated that today. Uh, I, 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 am going, I don't want to search for it, but I'm like, they can't possibly. I, if I would be so. No, I, I refuse to believe it. I was like, it's so horny. It has to be. It has to be. I'm gonna go. I'm, I took a picture of it actually. Oh think wow! It. Okay, because I was like, "How is this? How is this?" So I will see if I can find it. But uh, I'm not gonna do it literally right now. We're over on the podcast. I'll like share it with people afterwards. Oh, because uh, it, it well because I took it years ago. So I, I would have to go diving looking through looking for it. Are we? But, uh, uh, we should play Marvel Snap sometime, but after Krakoa rotates out of uh, the hot location. Uh, you don't like just not using, <laughs> getting to play the game for a turn every single game. Every game, just watching Krakoa fuck up my whole goddamn day. No, you're not supposed to play a card there. <laughs> no, all my cards are discard. Just <laughs> play Modok. They'll all they'll all do something afterwards. No. Uh, bye, everybody. Goodbye.